Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone. My name is Jong, and welcome to Through the Noise Podcast. Stock markets had a good start to the week before fizzling out on weak economic data to end largely flat week on week. Meanwhile, hawkish guidance by central banks drove US and Europe government bond yields higher. That reinforces our preference to allocate more to Asian assets. In this podcast, we're going to focus on the L within our calm strategy, lean to Asia. To do that, I'm joined by Abilash Narayan, our senior investment strategist. Hi, Abilash. In this week's weekly market report, you recommended that investors should lean into Asian equities and bonds. Could you elaborate what you mean by that? Sure, Zhang. Now, if you look at the macroeconomic backdrop, we are seeing clear signs of a divergence between the West and the Asia. So if you just look at the data that we've seen in the past week, we've seen U.S. manufacturing PMI decline to the lowest level since May of 2020. We've seen European manufacturing PMI also being revised lower. And the services uh, PMI was revised lower towards 52. However, if you look at what the Fed speakers have been seeing, as well as the minutes from the latest FOMC meeting, they continue to signal further rate hikes. Similarly, uh, in central banks, uh, you know, in, in Europe and in Australia, they are also guiding towards more rate hikes. Now, in contrast to that, if you look at Asia, the data has been healthy. So India's manufacturing PMI remained resilient. And while China's services PMI declined, it was still well within expansionary territory. Uh, from a policy perspective, there were three subtle but important developments within China. So firstly, PBOC Deputy Governor Pan was named as the bank's new Communist Party chief, indicating that he's likely to be the next governor, which uh, should help ensure policy continuity. Secondly, uh, PBOC continues to set uh, a strong fix for Chinese renminbi to ensure currency stability. Uh, and lastly, media reports this week indicated that state-owned banks had started to offer 25-year loans to local government financing vehicles, which reduces the refinancing risk uh, for, for these ent- entities uh, who have seen their revenues decline due to uh, lower uh, land sales. So, you know, the stronger economic data and supportive policy argue for rotating into Asian equities. Now, within Asia, we prefer to take a diversified exposure across Japan and the other you know, major markets uh, within, within Asia-Japan equity complex. Now, additionally, the support towards China's local government financing vehicles is also a positive for Asian dollar bonds. Uh, when we combine uh, the supportive policy measure with the sharp decline in bond supply that we've seen and the largely resilient demand, that continues to uh, argue for further narrowing of credit spreads for Asian dollar bonds, uh, which should help them outperform over the next 6 to 12 months. Okay, so, so staying with Asian equities, what are some of the key signposts we we could watch out for in July, you know, particularly for the Chinese equities? That's a great question. And I mean, we all know that uh, because of the geopolitical risks and the softer than expected economic recovery, we have seen a, a sort of a disappointing performance from Chinese equities in the first half of the year. Now, last week, we saw China impose metal export controls, uh, which were widely interpreted as as an extension to the uh, U.S.-Sino trade war. And that, at the margin, has dampened investor sentiment. That said, we do see emerging green shoots uh, for Chinese equities. 
So U.S. Treasury Secretary uh, Janet Yellen uh, is is visiting China, and she would be the second visitor, uh, and this would be the second visit by a senior U.S. official to Beijing in the last few months. Now, ahead of the visit, Yellen had said that a frank and productive discussion uh, with Xi Jinping, uh, China's ambassador to U.S., uh, and that leads us to believe that there could be a bit of thaw between the two nations in the short term. China's Politburo meeting later this month could also be you know, another potential catalyst. Any government stimulus in alignment to Premier Li Qiang's uh, speech last week to take steps to boost demand could actually help drive consumption. So overall, we, we maintain a neutral stance on Chinese equities within the broader Asia-Japan complex. Okay, let's move away from equities a bit and let's talk about government bond yields. I think this week we have seen the U.S. government bond yields breaking above the 4%. I guess the question that our listeners have is, are we nearing a peak? Well, uh, in short, potentially, yes. So uh, as you rightly mentioned, uh, the 10-year U.S. government bond yield has broken above the one-month channel as U.S. macroeconomic data, especially uh, if you look at services and jobs data, that continues to suggest a resilient outlook. And that, along with the FOMC meeting where we got a hawkish tone coming out, that uh, that did you know uh, help uh, boost uh, U.S. government bond yields uh, a bit higher. Now, uh, We've seen 10-year treasuries yields break above 4.03%, uh, which is above our short-term target of 35 to 4%. Uh, and in the near term, uh, if we do get more positive data surprises, especially the inflation print next week, uh, there is possibility for, for yields to extend uh, you know, a little bit further from where we are. Now, our technical analysis suggests that uh, near-term momentum uh, and, and technical uh, charting uh, means that we could see a resistance at 4.06% and 4.21% for 10-year U.S. yields. However, uh, if we have a 6-12-month horizon, we believe that you know, Fed uh, is uh, coming close to end of its hiking cycle. And history tells us that yields tend to fall once the Fed fund rate has peaked. So you know, we, we view the current surge in yields above 4% as an excellent opportunity to add to high-quality and long-maturity bonds. Well, can't end the convo on, on U.S. government bond yields without talking about AVEX. I think the dollar has been strengthening in, in the recent two to three weeks. While on the other side, I think the dollar JPY, that appears to be consolidating. So what is your near-term outlook on, on them? Uh, yes, I mean, uh, the dollar has been gradually trending higher since mid-June, uh, held by the hawkish tilt from the Fed and the rise in, in two-year or short-term U.S. government bond yields. Now, markets have priced in a, a, a high likelihood of a 25 basis point rate hike in the July FOMC meeting. Uh, and we think that given that it's already priced in, there's a high likelihood of a consolidation in yields, uh, unless, of course, we see uh, an upside surprise in jobs data later tonight or CPI data next week. So, you know, on a two to four week horizon, we expect the dollar to trade between 102.90 to 104.70 range before eventually heading lower. Now, if we shift our focus to dollar yen, uh, that seems to be consolidating around 144, 145 levels, uh, which is exactly the level uh, where we saw Japanese authorities intervene in the FX market for the first time in, in September 2022. Now, Bank of Japan has not given us any indication uh, that it plans to start normalizing monetary policy in its uh, uh, July meeting. Uh, and you know, when we combine that with our expectation of U.S. government bond yields, it means that interest rate differentials between U.S. and Japan should remain broadly stable, which should help cap the near-term upside in dollar-yen. 
But if you think about technicals, uh, the pair is looking overbought uh, based on RSI and stochastic oscillators. And our proprietary fractal, fractal indicator is also signaling elevated risk of a pullback. So, you know, if we do see a sustained break below 144, then that could open up a potential move towards 139 or 144 for dollar yen. Thank you, Abelesh. Always a very engaging discussion with you. I'm sure our listeners have a much better understanding of the L within our CALM strategy. Right? To summarize, in short, the economic data and policies in Asia remain supportive of a higher allocation to this region, and we prefer to take diversified exposure across Japan, China, India, Korea, and other major Asian markets. And with that, we'll close the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Enjoy the weekend ahead. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.